Hey guys, welcome to Upbeat. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thank you very much for being here and for listening in today. If you would, please follow the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. That is always super appreciated. So thank you for doing that. Uh, for any of the details about this episode or from this episode or about the podcast in general, you can go to my website, parkerkane.co, and that's where I've got a full directory of all the episodes, all the show notes, all the guest information and guest social media links and also my social media links. So if you want to connect with us, that would be awesome. Go do it, parkercane.co. We've got a great episode for you today. Definitely an upbeat one with Travis Huff, a.k.a. Too Tallin. With Too Tallin. (laughs) Travis is CEO at Real Time Outsource. He's a podcast host of the Be Real Show. He's an investor and a musician, and he's got a great story getting to where he is today and also a great amount of experience Uh, And we'll get into that more throughout the episode, but he worked for the Walt Disney Company and ABC 30 Television, and now he has his own business. I just mentioned Real Time Outsource, which is now a social media management firm with clients around the world, which is awesome. Uh, In this interview, we cover all kinds of topics from the best ways to get jobs, networking strategies and secrets, and also the best ways to earn money online today, which is super important. The world is full of abundance, hence the title, and we all have unlimited inventory. Great insight from Travis Huff. Let's get into it. Travis, thank you very much for being on Upbeat. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, my man. Always Upbeat. That's the way I live my life. They call me T. Huff, too tallin'. And uh, and that's the only way to live, especially during these times right now, man, is uh, you are in control of your destiny. And, and the things you do every day. So why not? Why not be upbeat about it? Exactly. Well, and, uh, just to catch you up, you know, upbeat, it's, its core is kind of this topic of finding and pursuing the things that we love and learning strategies that are proven to work. And honestly, just a place maybe for listeners and myself to find comfort and knowledge and inspiration in other people's stories and experiences. Uh, so I'm excited. Definitely. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show uh, and excited to see where the conversation goes. Absolutely, my man. I'm, I'm, I'm all yours. I'm fully transparent. Uh, and folks, in this journey, I've had three major, major challenges in my life from my body, from going through a divorce, going through a recession, starting a business during a recession, and also now being a father, you know, being sleep deprived at some point when, I, you know, not too long ago and, uh, and, and trying to run the business through a pandemic, you know. And so, uh, you know, we can talk about the story and journey, getting back into the beginning one, but the truth is we all go through different challenges, Parker, and it's just all about how you rally back, especially, like I said, right now, you know, because those that get scared are going to really not go anywhere. And those that rally hard are going to get a lot further than they ever expected because there's going to be 10 people that, that put pause on, st- on stand and you took the, the, the go and you're way ahead now. I love that. When we were talking a little bit earlier too, before we started the episode, just about the importance of showing up during these times, you know, how if you don't show up, then it's like a guaranteed no. But if you're always showing up and always, like you said, rallying together and and pushing forward, then it's guaranteed some kind of outcome that wouldn't otherwise be there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's the only way, the only way I know how to live. Everyone's different folks. And I'm not trying to, if you think differently than your boy T. Huff, that's okay. Just know that that's how I get through my days when going through the storm especially that we're going through all right now where I've got customers and clients and industries closed. 
I can't charge them. I'm taking revenue losses by the ton, but also trying to rally back and, and we are getting some new sales. So the bottom line is it's just about how you, how you look at it. Stay strong. You know, this is not the end of the world. This, these are things that we, that we need to, to be stronger and learn from. We've gone through this stuff in our past hundreds of years. We just have gotten lucky that it hasn't happened to us. And the last thing I will say on that topic, Parker, is just thank God for technology, folks, that you have a smartphone in your, in your device that you can hop on your Netflix and watch your content and get Amazon packages and Uber Eats. And if you didn't have tech during these times, folks, we'd be screwed. So just never forget how important and grateful technology is to us during these times uh, as we're recording right now on a Zoom and a computer and a, a Comcast <laughs> internet tech connection. You know what I mean? So if we didn't have all this, Parker, we wouldn't have this conversation. And so we'd be going through a whole different time to not be able to have the, the ability to FaceTime our loved ones and do the things that we can so seamlessly and easily in our lives these days. True. That's a very great point. Uh, and there's a ton that we could get into, but first I did just really want to catch the listeners up a little bit more about who you are. So if you could, you know, let us know, like, what was little Travis like? What was Absolutely. your upbringing like? A little bit of your background, whatever you want to share. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was always a, always an entrepreneur, always a, a you know, business person did a, everything under the sun, guys. I mean, I sold stuff out of my house, out of my garage, had lemonade stands that I had with my buddy. We did all sorts of different types of business ventures. We just basically made ways to make money. I remember one time a tree branch fell down. I mean, my brother got it and grabbed it and, you know, did a little decoration on it and put, you know, Niners and, and Cowboys were playing. We just put it and we sold them out. We sold them out, just sell them to the neighborhood because people will do that for you when you're a kid. Not maybe it's different times, but the point is I always kind of knew that, um, did the car wash gig, did tons of grunt jobs, man, where you're really working hard, putting in your grind. Um, and also worked my way up to do stuff where I was working at Morgan Stanley and I got a chance to, you know, really see how people manage wealth, uh, from millions of dollars down to hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars, watched IPO, uh, Google IPO while I was there, just saw a lot of cool things and, and, and always was interested in for sure the IPO market after that, but which is the beginning, you know, stage of great companies and, uh, and investing. And then realized Parker, uh, my father was an accountant and he, and that's a business owner. And, and he, uh, always wanted me to take over his business. And, um, after graduating at the, at the Craig school of business out here at Fresno state, uh, and the Craig school is, uh, uh, if you guys don't remember Jenny Craig, uh, her husband, uh, basically they had obviously a lot of money. So he, he, he donated it to the school and made, Fresno State's business program, probably one of the strongest things on campus, basically, and, you know, really, you know, acumen a program and, and tough to get through. And so that taught me the school of business, man. And I learned business and I realized at some point during that journey, I wanted to be in marketing. I loved marketing and advertising and got a chance, Parker, to work on a nationwide campaign for Yahoo and present it to the, the head marketing team at Yahoo. And, uh, and we got to compete nationwide with, with, uh, you know, people across the, the nation and they were putting their campaigns together. And we worked for a whole year actually to put together these campaigns and, uh, just a great experience about what goes into planning and, and creating a great campaign and presenting it. And then after that, I got a, I got a chance to work for the greatest company probably maybe in the world. Um, and that is the Walt Disney company. So right out of college, I, I got a chance I sent out 50 resumes and the one that I really got a chance to work with was, uh, was the Walt Disney company. And that was with the, uh, ABC television brand. So you guys are all familiar with ABC television. I'm sure. Good morning, America. And Regis, uh, just passed unfortunately, but we were selling Regis and Kelly and all the greatest shows, uh, that you still probably have today. You know, dancing with the stars was still one of our hit shows at that time. And it still is actually crazily enough, the bachelor, um, 
So yeah, I was selling those TV campaigns. McDonald's was one of my clients and, and doing these great opportunities to work with local businesses um, in my area, but then also working with these nationwide companies like I was kind of on the Yahoo uh, days, but I got to learn on the media side, Parker, like the ins and outs. And then literally guys, I was just sitting at a Starbucks with a buddy. And this is something I always tell everyone right now is just, we're all just maybe sitting at a, at a coffee or, or doing a FaceTime with a friend that we could just be listening to them. And so I was just listening to him and I was just talking, catching up to him after the four years and say, Hey man, how are things going? What's going on? We were kind of feeling like he was seeing the, maybe the real, the, uh, the crash happening, maybe possibly because he was in the commercial real estate business and uh, just telling me a few things and say, Oh yeah, we just saw Mervin's, you know, lost Mervin's. Uh, we we're kind of talking that way. And he said, Oh, what are you going to do for the future? And I said, he said, you know, people are going to need their Facebook pages matched. And I was like, dude, you're right. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I said, you're right. And so I just started putting together a PowerPoint. Um, that was November of uh, 2008. And I think June of 2009 is when we actually got our first check. You know, um, it took a little bit of time just for me to, you know, not necessarily just jump, hit, hit the bungee cord and run. But during that time, we lost a lot of customers. I mean, there was a lot of people getting lost. You can see the industry changing Parker right amongst our eyes. They were cutting managers and firing people and Still to this day, 10 years later, they've been firing everybody that I know back there at work, you know, unfortunately, except the sales team. So I would have still been there, but all my friends have been gone over there at work. But they have to do that to survive because if you don't know, the news produces for free and then they expect advertisers. So um, the point is, at the end of the day, you know, uh, the journey went from selling lemonade to selling TV ads. And then uh, eventually, at the end of the day, all we're doing now is helping people with their social. Parker, when people have questions, uh, need, need help with managing and maximizing their Facebook specifically or Instagram or, you know, these camp, these, these, these platforms that are just full of potential. Um, and they don't have the time, you know, they basically bring us in. And so we work with a lot with advertising agencies and we work with a lot with uh, public relations firms and then a lot with local businesses, you know, a lot with startups and a lot with app companies and just different things. We're taking a risk with them too, you know, and sometimes, and then, uh, we're working with some grocery stores that are killing it and some pool companies that are just killing it right now, man. People are buying these $60,000, $80,000 pools like unbelievable right now. Right in Facebook too. Like not 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 transacting, but basically like getting the appointments and everything right right dialed in and pay Facebook. So it's just an amazing world, Parker. And uh, that's a maybe three-minute nutshell of what, what my journey's been, man. That's awesome. Seems like pretty wild ride, but would you say, uh, you know, from the beginning then you've just always been passionate about maybe like sales and, and business, maybe like the, the future idea of owning your own business. I've always loved that idea. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a transparent story guys. When I was, uh, when I was, I always played baseball. I always was like somewhat healthy, you know, I mean, I tried my best, but when my parents went to, uh, through the, uh, divorce, when I was in fifth grade, I think I started emotionally eating. And then from then till I was about uh, probably junior in high school, I got up to probably close to 300 pounds, six foot. And I went to the doctor and they said I was, you know, a morbidly obese and all these things and gave me fin fin and all these different things. And eventually I, uh, you know, I had at some point gotten, I had a, had a breast, you know, um, I had male breasts. And so I had taped them down. And my mom eventually found out about it because I was always asking her for tape, um, medical tape. So I was taping them down so people wouldn't call me names. And uh, I couldn't stand tall because I had to hunch over so people wouldn't see that I had these breasts, you know. And so I never was able to maybe transform into my full body. And then at some point, my mom, um, even though maybe she didn't have the money, she 
She uh, got me the cosmetic surgery. I think the cosmetic surgeon did something where he helped her out because of my story. And he's, they took photos of like my, all the scarring I had from taping down my chest. And he just, you know, it was, it was, that was all I knew how to do. Cause I don't want to get bullied anymore, you know, for my baseball friends and things like that. You know, they call me names when I, you know, boy, the point is after that surgery, I had my, my breasts removed. And I, at that point I decided I'm going to be taking control of my, my journey. And I decided I'm going to be working my best to never going back there again, if I can. And I'm not perfect by any means after these 20 something years of that, since that happened. But that's when I was born into too tall. And that's when I, embrace being a tall person and a tall man now standing six foot eight around 263 265 pounds sometimes more based on the carbs i'm eating these days uh but but and i'm still a big guy you know what i mean i have stretch marks i have everything man and and i've worked my ass off to in my it worked my ass off in so many hours sweating uh, profusely to, to get to this point. But my body was my first challenge, Parker. And that led me into the confidence to speaking to people, talking to people, getting up in public speaking. And it gave me the confidence to, to, to never look back. Um, and I, and not, and the thing is there's no judgment on that person that I was. It's just not who I eventually wanted to be, you know? And I knew that my eating style, if I was on that way, I probably would be not talking to you today because I'd probably be gone. You know what I mean? Like, I was out of control eating, you know, and not, 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 not focused in any other way. And so for me, I, I knew that I just couldn't go there. And then after, after the story with my mom and just she, all she did for me, I just was, I, I just never wanted to let her down that way. And, and I truly, that was the start guys to, uh, uh, in a way, a new person, but then every day, Parker, I have to be accountable. And, and when I get off the ship and eat too much of this one day, I have to, you know, get back to, for me at least to, uh, to getting back to some balance. And so I think that's what life is about, especially right now, man. I mean, we're all eating a little more. We're all relaxing a little more. I mean, transparently guys, I haven't gone to the gym for five months. I mean, I've still been working out, but I haven't been able to go to the gym. They've been opening and closing them. And I, it's like accessible in those places right now with this COVID. So that, it, it, that was truly if to get to the point of being a confident person outside of a lot of adversity and trial and error and not giving an F at some point and, and just, just putting your, your go hat on, like you say, and do, and working every day, um, was getting in control of, of your mindset. And that is, Hey, whatever your day is, you have to make it what you want and no one else is going to do it for you. And if you want something different, you have to do it. And that was my starting challenge. And then leading into my business, man, I mean, it was, it was a crazy time, man. I mean, um, those times, Parker, I mean, do you remember 2008, 2009? I mean, those are just different times. I mean, it's all kind of a mute point to what we're going through right now, but. Yeah, I, I don't remember like super well, maybe as well as other people would. Um, but I, cause I was in high school, but I right. do remember that. And I was raised by a single mom and like, right. she was carrying us through that time. And uh, you know, thirteen, fourteen dollars an hour at the front desk of a dentist yeah. office, and that was like pretty much the best we could do. You know, yeah, yeah. and that's what a lot of people are going to be going through right now. You know, um, you just feel for everyone right now, and that's what gratitude will get you through too. You know, um, but you know, my the, the thing about sales, I realized after working with everyone, is it's not that hard, Parker. Uh, different people are different. Are, you know, you always think of the salesperson as like kind of that sleazy sales guy, right? At the or a girl at the, you know, selling you a car, uh, you know, or someone that comes to your door and tries to hustle you a fifty dollar, you know, potion of of lotion or something, you know, at your door. 
a lot of times salespeople, the best ones are just people that listen and people connect and the people that you just want to keep spending money with. It's not that hard. It's like, there's so many options out there. You just got to be a friend. And I think that just be a friend to someone, you know, work hard, own your mistakes and just show up. Like you said, show up. We got to show up, man, every day. Amen. I freaking love that. Uh, Well, and I did want to ask too, like what I guess are some of the takeaway, I mean, you just shared some really cool background stories and information with us of, of some things that you've learned, some lessons you learned. And I just am wondering like how that affected you during your, your college studying and getting into those job opportunities, like what you mentioned with Walt Disney company and ABC right. television and what you're up to now, like what, what kind of role did your background play while you were there? But then also what are some like new takeaways that you learned at some of those companies? Like, tell us about those experiences. Absolutely. So everyone that's trying to get a job right now, the thing I'm going to tell you is you got to just work to get a job. It's not going to just come to you, especially right now. Everyone's weary, but there's lots of jobs available. There's a lot of telecommunity jobs. There's so many things available. So what I did Parker to get a job, uh, I sent out a top secret file to the 50 media agencies in Fresno, uh, advertising agencies, and also media companies. Uh, it was an oversized legal file. It said top secret. You know, this file is going to explode if you share it with anyone else, basically. And there's my resume inside. It was not a, a traditional resume. I mean, it was a traditional <laughs> resume once you looked inside, you know, you're, you know yeah. but, but, but the initial response was, what the hell is this guy doing? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I never really, I got like two or three calls back. Uh, the, the one call back that I wanted to get obviously was with a media company and it, the call that resonated was ABC television. Um, the crazy story behind it was the, the boss, the local sales manager that was hiring was, was actually the person that ended up hiring me. She didn't she didn't like the resume, but because it was in a legal file and she has to actually legally keep these resumes. She uh, had it on her desk for a, uh, a period of time. I don't know if it was a day or so because it was just, it wouldn't fit into her cabinet because it was actually bound to a legal, which is when a legal is a kind of a, that oblong uh, file <laughs> size. So it's not your normal file. Like you can't file me away kind of deal. Um, <laughs> and it was subconscious. I didn't even know. It was just like literally what I found because it was like the, the biggest ones I could find. And, um, and, and then she's like, so she, it was sitting on her desk. And then the big boss, who was the general sales manager, who's in charge of everybody, he uh, came in and said, you know, picked it up and said, hey, give this guy a call, man. This guy's unique, you know. And uh, I'm the one that I ended up selling him, you know, on why he should hire me as the very first person out of college um, for them to hire in the sales department. They never had at that point hired anyone out of, uh, out of college um, and still, I think, haven't. So they stay pretty traditional uh, and seasoned over there. But the point is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the journey is you can't be fouled away. So if you're persistent, if you're creative, there's too many opportunities. I heard a recent one that was a really good one. And I'll give you another one too, is go find the seven companies you want to work with and then follow the three people that work inside that company that are really influential to hiring and comment on all their stuff and engage with them as a friend go and become a super fan of that brand you want to work for on social and comment on every single one of their social media posts, retweet, comment, share, love, be the person that comments on every single one, be the person that comments on every single post, right? Be that person. Be surprised. A lot of times the top people in the marketing department or the top people in the business are actually managing social. So you might actually be influencing the person that is going to be hiring you and you didn't even know it. It's for sure to work, dude. Well, one thing I wanted to focus on too was 
you and I have some some stuff in common, and that is, first of all, we've both worked with McDonald's. So, oh yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what you did with McDonald's, uh, and if you could tell us about that too. Mickey D's, baby. Oh yeah, egg McMuffin. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fresno is like the number one breakfast market in the world because uh, of all the people that like they'll get orders from like the the, the farmers here in, in the Fresno market and Central Valley market where they'll order like. 500 sausage burritos or they're order, you know, cause they're ordering from everybody. So yeah, they have crazy orders, but yeah, the McDonald's, I got a chance to work with, uh, the Maroc agency, uh, agency out of Dallas, Texas, uh, an amazing agency, uh, that handles different media buys for the nationwide campaigns that, uh, McDonald's is doing. Fresno is a test market for a lot of different things and created the Doritos Locos created a lot of different test products that became nationwide successes for businesses. Like the one that the Doritos Locos ones for Taco Bell was like huge success for them. Um, they test market here cause it's a very, um, multicultural. We have the, the Hmong and we have the African American, we have the Hispanic, we have every, we have every kind of, uh, you know, multicultural Armenian, everything here, all different cultures, a lot of us. And then it's an affordable market to test things. You know what I mean? Um, so they do a lot of tests here in the Central Valley market with McDonald's as well as with other fast food. Um, and then, but yeah, it was really fun. It was fun, man. It was just cool to see the dynamics of how they buy media. You know, they really look for certain, uh, dynamics of what they're looking for, uh, from what they call, uh, cost per, you know, cost per thousand or cost per, uh, you know, uh, cost per rating, um, you know, or CPC that they're looking for, or they're trying to reach a certain reach and frequency with their campaign, which is means they reach this audience, audience, uh, let's just say a, a certain percentage of the audience in the Fresno market three or four times, you know, they want to reach 40% of the market in Fresno five times, you know, so you kind of, if you know what they're looking for, what you can do is you put together your rates. And so a lot of it is just, it's really just coming up with a really nice aggressive rates um, that you can get the most of their media by. Cause usually they're going to buy the whole market. They're going to buy all the media. They're going to buy ABC, CBS, Fox. They're going to buy everybody. They're not going to just pick one. And you want to have the majority share of that media buy if you can. And if you do, then you can really make some good dough. Um, not only for your station, but also just, for, you know, just basically in general, as a salesperson, you know, you can just be making more because you're getting more, more percentage of uh, the market. And that could be, it could literally be a difference of hundreds, three, $400,000 in one quarter. Um, if you do the right thing on just 5% of the market or 10% of the market. So it's like getting to know the buyer, what they want, and then putting together those rates, baby. And then you have to a lot of times go back Parker to your boss and sell them on why they need to lower the rates on these certain shows so that you can get that big share of the buy. And so it's a game between the agency with what they want. And then also your boss that's going to let that slide or not. And then trying to get the most. And, and it's really, truly a game of negotiation both ways. And then at the end, I swear to God, it might not air because you have a political camp campaign come up or whatever. And then it gets pushed to the next day and then you have to make it good somewhere <laughs> else. And so always negotiated. But the point is, in that moment, the way it's a two-sided negotiation, it's both you get, you have your rates and then you have to go over with your bosses to try to negotiate and tell them, Hey man, I want to go, Hey, I want to go aggressive here. Cause I know she's going to buy more, you know? So let's get, you know, go cheaper here. You know, it taught me a whole hell of a lot. I, I can tell you that most campaigns are not doing the type of research that, that McDonald's is doing. Obviously a huge company, something I didn't realize a real estate company. So 
not a burger company, a real estate company. Mm-hmm. So they could be eventually selling you groceries, which they probably will be eventually someday. They should be right now. Eggs from McDonald's. Or, you know, I mean, they, the bottom line is, you know, you can see them pivot because they own the real estate. Um, as they did when I was still there, they invested $10,000 a machine into the cafe, which was a huge investment. Each of the stores had to put a $10,000 machine into each of the uh, location, which is it's a lot of money when you start doing the math, you know, but that paid off huge because now they're competing with Starbucks, right? I mean, they just, for 10 grand, they just made an, uh, an extension to Starbucks. They now can sell you lattes and they can sell you these upgraded drinks outside of just the coffee that's 99 cents, right? So it turned out to be a big win for them. I think that's been a big windfall for them, supposedly, uh, as far as just, just, just more, more, more revenue into the, to the McDonald's is just those, those extra three, four, five dollar uh, coffee experiences. Yeah, they're they're a very very smart <laughs> company. Um, I obviously Crazy. got the chance to do that uh, McDonald's beatboxing stuff with them. But yes, then, but then I also did an internship, very s- similar, not too not as hands on as what you were doing with McDonald's, but um, I was at Dalton Agency in oh, okay. Na- Nashville, Tennessee, doing stuff with McDonald's. We launched the the Uber Eats testing down in that. Oh, area. okay, no <laughs> shit, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, that was a big partnership for them. Yeah, that was huge. It was it was a really really good experience. But I did learn a lot about McDonald's that like totally blew me away that I that I would never have guessed. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's one of those companies. It's a resilient company, man. Just a completely resilient company and uh, unbelievable story. Yeah. Well, and I got to talk with a, you know, a, a former senior vice president for them. And I was just talking like, you know, picking his brain. That's what I do. Like, that's why I love podcasting as well. But I was just asking him questions about it and like what the smartest things he thinks McDonald's has done. And one of the, one of his answers was like, oh, well, we just wanted to, to control every single on and off ramp of the highway. Uh. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. Every single on and off ramp, we want a McDonald's there. <laughs> there you like, go. I mean, that's a huge move. Like, I mean, they, they've probably really succeeded due to that. I mean, that was a decision they made a long time ago, but that's probably been a huge benefit. Absolutely. Yeah, the first franchisee was here in Central California. Fresno, California was the first franchisee of Ray Kroc. And still here today, the location is still here on Blackstone Avenue. You guys can look that up. That was the first person to franchise. And that franchise owner, one of the, some of the f- people here, they've made a lot of money because they own you know many, many, many franchises here out here in Central Valley. And so that's what really took the McDonald's brand to the next level is where you could, Parker, if you had enough capital and you're willing to take the shot at them when they were when they were pitching this idea back way back then, uh, you could have started your first franchise, you know, with uh, you know, and then they basically have the whole branding and and that's how the models work so well, like like kind of many of the other you know fr- uh, restaurant brands do nowadays, um, but they were the uh, you know the precedents of setting how how you franchise a business. Yeah, that's just insane. Uh, and I, insane. That movie is a crazy, insane movie too. If you guys haven't seen it, Ray, the movie about Ray Kroc is just a cool, really cool movie. Because he did like, like in his fifties, like the guy that actually took and took the McDonald's brand, like the 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 actual restaurant, and then really just took it to the next level. Like based on them buying more milkshakes, based on them buying more of his blenders that were making milkshakes, he realized this store is doing something right. Let's franchise this thing out. Let's let's scale this thing. Let's let me help these guys basically take this idea to the next level. Boom. So a sales guy took that to to you know that whole business to the next level. 
That's it's fascinating. Just, it wasn't even his business. It was just a cool idea. Just a really cool idea. Yeah, it definitely is fascinating. Uh, well, and I want to talk, uh, I mentioned it a little bit, how, how I'm also passionate about podcasting. That was another one of those things I was thinking you and I have, have in common because uh, you also are a podcaster, a podcast host. So I wanted, if you could just tell us like how you got into podcasting. Absolutely, dude. So yes, I started my Be Real show, uh, shoot, way back when, about five years ago. I think it was March of 2015. So before it was mainstream. Kind of before it was mainstream, you know, it was it was just starting to kind of like catch on, but it was definitely in the, the beginning stages of where it is now. You know what I mean? With Anchor and all these different abilities to, <laughs> to do so many cool things with, with distribution of your podcast and uh, just seeing how people have just blown up on podcasting, obviously from Rogan down, you know, just had the success of the industry, just very validating. It's a, it's a new form of media. Uh, it's a game of, it's a game of, uh, building out your content collection, man. I mean, that's one of the things I realized it was an interview show. Um, I, my first couple of shows, I was just me doing it. And then I realized one of my buddies wanted an interview and I was like, dude, I think I need to turn this into an interview show. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to interview people that are in social media, Parker. I'm going to interview people that are just like in social and digital. So I started bringing it on basically the first 20 to 50 guests were really focused in social and digital and really maybe that if you want to call it the influencers or people that have even become bigger influencers in the industry over the years, uh, from my boy, Jack Kozakowski, who has barely started and now is a beast. I mean, he's got just an incredible following and, and just a great guy. Uh, but one of my very first guests on the show, uh, and just, and the point is that it just kept growing. I was like, Oh, I can interview people that I've, I've like admired, or I can interview people like that. I've been on other shows. So one of my, still to this day strategies I use is I see people on other shows uh, for anything from people on Tom Billy's show, my boy that I had on my show about episode number 70 or so. And, and, and I've seen his show grow. So I'll be like, Oh, Kaifu Lee. I like that dude. I'll tweet to him and see if I can get Kaifu Lee on the show. And I did. And so I think the validating part is that you build the show by, by keeping passionate about it. Obviously um, it, it is a show that has evolved beyond my expectations of just interviewing social media people. And, uh, and today, shoot, I was looking at today's guest. Uh, we interviewed Simadol, who's uh, a, uh, all about the sway factor. She's all about personal branding and sway factor. She's doing all sorts of crazy big, you know, speaking on huge stages, et cetera. We interviewed an app builder, Anne Bernard, uh, with the 365 First Challenge. And I interviewed a quantum fund, uh, Dave Ferreira. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's connected with Todd and all them. And uh, he does all the, 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 you know, building of uh, catheters and just different things. And so the point is that on one day, I've interviewed all these different people that are just in different industries beyond my expectations of understanding and, 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 and area of influence in social, right, Parker? But we all have things in common. We're all human, right? We're all going through different things. And I've learned so much um, over the five years, Parker, as you know, you can tell I like to talk, man. But when I'm on my <laughs> show, I usually listen, man. And so I, I'm, I'm usually listening and I, I get a different perspective to just listen and, and soak in, if you want to call it, people that maybe would never spend time with me in Fresno, uh, you know, because they don't want to hop on the plane. They don't even know where the hell it is. But the point is, you get this, this just amazing capability through technology. We can talk and now we, you know, and it's just built something special for me where I look, really look forward to it, man. And, uh, so it's just something you have to keep passionate about folks. And so it's, it's a, it's an evolving thing, Parker. Um, you get people, you know, being booked on the show, you were trying to reach out to people to get on your show. And it's kind of that fine blend of, uh, 
hopefully the excitement of being able to interview some of my heroes, man. I mean, we'll turn on the video here shortly and you'll see my room is full of my heroes and uh, <laughs> to be able to interview Peyton Manning, John Travolta, he's going through a lot right now with his wife, unfortunately, or, you know, The Rock, Bill Belichick, Adam, Al Pacino, Simon Cowell. You know, I'm just looking at some of the greats on one of my walls here. You know, maybe one day I'll be able to get them if I built in a big enough catalog, right? So you just never know that what the timing, what, when they're ready, you know, it's usually when they have a book or when they're ready to talk, you know, that maybe I can get them on the show. And so that's the kind of way to think about it and look about it. I think today, um, as it, you are building your, like yourself, my man, you're building your own uh, empire. You're building your own content network. You're building your own radio station. It's true. Well, and this is actually, you know, obviously it's something I'm passionate about, but what you were just mentioning is actually how you and I got hooked up too, because, uh, you know, I, for a while have looked up to David Meltzer. Oh, dude, the man. And I know, right? He's a beast. And you mentioned Todd. And so I just want to explain to the listeners, like Love Todd. W- what happened is basically I inter- I built up a catalog. My show became credible enough to interview someone like David Meltzer that episode was just an amazing experience. And then David Meltzer's like, Hey, let me hook you up with my friend Todd. And then he'll help you get some more podcast guests and whatever. And uh, then Todd was emailing me. And then the next second I had your speaker sheet and we were getting our episode prepared and ready to go. And and it's just like, I, first of all, without the podcast would never have been able to actually talk with David Meltzer. Uh, But then from that connection, I wouldn't have been able to interview you or uh, some of the previous guests. Well, one of the previous guests, Daryl Stinson. Oh, I love uh, that dude, man. Because Daryl or uh, because David and Todd hooked me up with you two. And so yeah. it's just this whole world of networking that wouldn't exist if I wasn't doing this. Right. And a lot and it's at scale, dude. I mean, you literally don't have to travel to me. I don't have to travel to you. Right. So like everyone's figuring this out now. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Now Rogan's moving to Austin probably. So he's moving to Austin to save money in taxes. He made over a hundred million dollars with Spotify this year. And so he's going to save that money by just moving to Austin and, and you know, buying a, a huge place probably <laughs> with <laughs> probably. that tax savings, you know, but that he see it's it, the whole point is that this is a new industry and, uh, and it's to set precedence. You got to put content out. You got to keep passionate about it. And then, and then don't worry about it, man. I mean, if this is not your full-time gig, if this is not your, but you do a podcast and you do other things, the whole point in life is folks, you got to just keep doing it. And a lot, too many people give up seven pieces of content is what usually people give up. Seven podcasts, seven videos, they give up. And if I was only in seven videos on my B-Roll show, we wouldn't be here today. It's just one of those things. I mean, yeah, I would still maybe have my business, but my business is now getting hit over the head where your boy T Huff has now created other revenue streams. I got other things going because I've been resilient. And so the podcast, and then I will say lastly about the podcast, Parker, is dude, like you said, you get the opportunity to interview people that who would ever get to bump into, man. Like Kaifu Lee's ex president, uh, CEO of Google China for 10 years. When, when Google decided to go to China, they come to Kaifu Lee. He wrote AI superpowers, a, a best-selling book that's, uh, you know, he got, he's got two, three, four million people on Twitter following him all in China. I'm not connected to those people. What, what do you think happened when our show went, went out folks? A lot of people want listen from China <laughs> more than <laughs> I have because he tweeted it out to people. And so it's one of those things that you just, you, it, you just feel so grateful for in many ways. And that, 
it's just, it's just never at any time in history. Have you been able to create a show, bring people on it, find value, release it all on your own. And then maybe at some point we get a good deal like Rogan does one day, you know, uh, or anywhere in between, you know, it doesn't have to have as many zeros on it. You know, a million dollars for my boy show. (laughs) Something nice, you know? True. Well, and the thing is too, is even if you never become the Rogan, right? If you never become someone who's really got that sweet, sweet gig going right now, it's also, I mean, I wanted to ask you about lessons learned and you mentioned, you know, uh, listening more and listening to the guests and stuff like that. But I'm assuming also as one of those lessons <laughs> you may have learned, uh, is what kind of a, of a driving tool podcasting could be for whatever else you've got going on, whether it's a business, whether it's something mm. you want to sell like a book or something like that, like, Absolutely. like podcasting, even if you're not the Joe Rogan, right. Podcasting is still oh, yeah, a yeah. hugely helpful tool. Oh dude. Yeah. I mean, very few people are going to ever get to Rogan. He's just, he, he's got a big, he's got a big leap. It's like Elon Musk, you know, or like Bezos. Yeah. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> not many people are going to be Amazon at this point. They, they're they're going to have to more likely worry that Amazon is going to beat them and come eat their lunch, uh, insurance <laughs> businesses, uh, you know, et cetera. The point is at the end of the day, there's some people that just have a, have a big leap and he does in the industry, but you have to just admire it and look at his format and look at his style and, and say, wow, this, this, this is how it works on a big level. Just like if you were to watch Howard Stern back in the day or still today, the, the beauty, uh, you know, is that at the end of the day, like you said, yeah, he can do lots of things with sponsorships. He can do lots of things with, uh, inside his show. There's many things. Once you get your numbers right, you can create businesses and literally create products and sell it right through your own show. And it's your product. It's not, you can literally sell, you can have five different businesses. They could all be yours, Parker, and you could be selling them at different times throughout the show. If you were Rogan and, and, and you, you know, that's, that's different ways to think about it, but that's the way you could do it. And I think he's done it in different ways with on it and some of his other brands that he's talked about. And I've bought a lot of things from just listening to the show to be transparent with you from Neurogum. <laughs> I, I'm looking at my Neurogum right now. I drink Neurogum. I take uh, kill cliff CBD uh, recovery drinks, uh, which are all not cheap things, man. And these are all, but I've also learned that why not? Like, like this guy's performing at his best taking these things. Why not try to experience a little piece of what someone at their top of their game is doing in like, just say the podcast space. Now, if you want to talk about the business space, there's people that have hundreds of million dollar agencies in my business, you know, that will shit on Joe Rogan's podcast. Cause they're just huge companies. You know what I mean? Like you're talking to advertising agencies that are just huge, you know, but they're dealing with a whole different thing right now and that they're getting, you know, pandemic clients are canceling, et cetera, not clients, not paying them, uh, you know? <laughs> and so he's, he's an advantage in that he's got a lean operation and doesn't have a lot of employees probably compared to someone that has a huge business like AMC movie theaters and, or, you know, every single damn retailer that you see going out of business every week, you know, it's like Sir Latab, it's Brooks Brothers. It's, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. and I know some of this stuff is restructuring, but some of this, it's just not a good signal, you know, that, uh, you know, not a good signal. And that, so right now the key Parker is to stay lean, right? So right now folks, it's to stay lean, mean, and make that green baby. <laughs> and be flexible and, and yeah, ready, oh, hell ready, yeah. like ready to make those jumps when you need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and then start a podcast, man. Anyone that's listening today can start a podcast, go to anchor, go to Libsyn, go, you know, to your favorite place, type in podcast hosting. There's so many different places to distribute your own show and start an interview show where you interview your prospects. That's a great sales strategy or 
in a bigger picture like I've done with mine, start a show where you want to interview people that maybe you admire or your heroes. And then maybe it evolves and you're interviewing people that are not necessarily your hero, but maybe they turn into your hero because you're like, oh man, this is really an interesting person and that has built catheter companies. And he's kind of fascinating that someone can do that, for instance, or someone that can build an app that can change the world in a different way, or someone that can get on a stage and speak in front of 10, 20,000 people and impact their lives. And now is getting hit over the head because she can't, or he can't speak on stages right now because of COVID. And they're losing a shit ton of revenue because they've built their whole lives on speaking on stages. Think about it, Parker. That's true. Oh, dude, dude, that's, that's, they make so much damn money on those stages Everything else is like peanuts. Yeah, you sell your ebook for 99 cents. No, you're making money because you, you get on a stage and you make 10, 30 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. You know yeah. what I mean? That's gone. So where are you making the money? Yeah. So that's what they're all dealing with, you know? And I've, I have friends in this industry that do that. They're only doing that and they're doing different things, you know, to start to make money, you know? And so, hey, right now is the time to stay lean and mean, baby. You know, um, I always believe in bootstrap business, Parker. You do not have a business, guys, until you have your first check, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, whatever. If you think you have a business, great. You think you have a business idea, great. You don't have a business until you've gotten a check, though. So it's a hobby. It would be considered a hobby in tax purposes. It would be considered a hobby unless you've, and if you do that for six years, it's, you can lose money actually in a business for six years, Parker. You know, you can lose money for that, a lot more than six years, but you can lose money for six years and it can be, you know, you can write money off of your, if you're making money as a, you know, you're making money at a, a regular business, you're making 50,000 or a hundred thousand at a business. And then, uh, you know, you start a side business and you lose money. It's another tax strategy people do, right? But now is the time to start a business with nothing, PowerPoint. Nothing. You don't need anything. Just go. Literally, anyone can make money. Just figure out what you're good at. Okay, I'm good at writing podcast show notes. Oh, I'm good at beatboxing. My boy Parker is not only good at it, he's been validated because he's got millions of views around his skill of beatboxing. In fact, McDonald's picked him up because he's so talented at beatboxing. Okay, so you are not just your average beatboxer. You are the top in the top rankings of beatboxers, wherever there, if there was a rankings, you would be in the top, my man. Right. So you're not just making, you know, so you can put together that, you know, you know, the, the, the nationwide uh, beatboxer that's been acclaimed from uh, McDonald's commercials and, and start listing the stuff and put your YouTube videos so that people can see your stuff. And so that when someone comes to your listing and it's 50 bucks for them to, or a hundred bucks for them to get a beatbox video, they know, Hey, Parker's the real deal because look at his last views. He's got a hundred, he's got millions of views on some of his videos. Right. And so you already got the content you, for instance, for you, you already got the things. It's just the making the listing. And so that people know they can buy that from you and that you don't have to sell it to them. They just go buy it. Just like you buy Amazon, right? You, you someone put together the listing and put it out there and then you bought it. They didn't have to sell it to you. Yeah, maybe they did ads. Maybe, you know, you've seen sponsored ads. It's a great tool. Great, great cash flow for Amazon too. Very good business. But they put the listing out and then you bought it. That's how it works. And there's, it's unlimited inventory on some of these things. You, don't, you have unlimited inventory. Unlike the guy that only has one Chevy truck, we can do 10 podcasts a day if you wanted to, if it was, if it was profitable to you, if you were making 100, 200 bucks an hour, you'd be doing 10 podcasts a day, Parker, on Mondays <laughs> to make two grand on Monday. 
Definitely would. Right? <laughs> so, and people are doing that. John Lee Dumas, there's a lot of hit makers in the industry that are doing that. They're, they're, they're making the money. And we can too. The world's full of abundance, dude. And so I think that's the thing that everyone needs to think about right now is look around, sell the shit you don't need, get the money, stay lean. And then next is let's see if people are willing to pay for it. The, the market will prove itself out, Parker. If there's a market for it, they'll buy. If there's not, you won't have any orders. And you have nothing to lose. You don't have to buy a bunch of widgets and waste. You don't have to spend a bunch of money in ads. I mean, I hear this all the time. Entrepreneurs spending all this money buying a gadget and trying to resell it and spending thousands of dollars in ads. And by the end of the day, they don't even hardly make that much money. These are all just little wins, baby. These are all just little wins. Um, just like Amazon knows how to suck out money from Audible and Amazon. And next thing, what's, what's next for Amazon? It's going to suck money out of my pocket because uh, they do a great <laughs> job of it. Yeah, they do. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing all those things, man. That's a ton of just freebie ideas for anyone listening. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to get creative, like whatever it is you're good at, whatever it is you have laying around your house, like there's so many different ways, you know, to just make some extra, extra pocket money at the very least. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then that can start your, you know, you buy a microphone with that and that starts to show. I use the same $70, $90 mic that anyone can buy. And I've been doing it for six years. Haven't upgraded a damn thing. Doing the same <laughs> thing. Bootstrapping, baby. I ain't going to get rid of this mic until it, it, it blows up. <laughs> no need, man. Why? What, what, what am I going to do? I got the sure. money. What am I going to buy? A $1,000 mic? No, for what? I bought this mic seven years. This, this is how the show started. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> well, and, uh, I want to say thanks again for being on the show. Uh, are you cool if we just do that upbeat seat segment? Oh yeah, real let's quick? do it, baby. Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. Travis, what makes you upbeat? Nowadays, everything about my daughter makes me upbeat, man. Being a dad is one of the biggest blessings on earth. And uh, seeing the joys, like seeing her say, yeah, she was copying my wife yesterday. Say, yeah. And she was like, yeah. And just to seeing these little simple joys have always made me uh, feel so grateful. But I'll tell you the other thing that makes me upbeat, man. Listening to music, man. Whenever you're in a funk, folks, listen to music. I know you produce music. I've seen some of your stuff. I've always had the passion continually producing music is that like music can get us through so many things, not only in the production of it, but also just like listening. And, and no matter what your genre is, no matter what you listen to, you know, I, everyone's got their own taste and flavor. Right. So, but music, man. And that's one of the things that always makes me upbeat, especially, um, damn, especially when this, during these times right now, you know, when you're getting tough, you're down on yourself and some of these things are not, due to our own faults. It's like, it's not our fault. It's not your fault, dude. It's not no one's fault. It's not my fault. Clients close it. It's no <laughs> one's fault. But, and I, and I, I want to help them, you know? And so, um, now's the time just to be that beacon, man. And, and share love, spread love. I always say peace, love, and respect. And then right now, acceptance too, of everyone's point of view of where we're at, you know? And, um, those are other things that make me upbeat. And, uh, and then I get to learn every day, man. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly at 38 years old being humbled every single day, man. Love it. When I see you've got a bunch of uh, inspirations on the wall behind you. So this, oh, one yeah. might, this one might be kind of hard for you, but who's your number one influence or inspiration? My number one influence and inspiration? Oh, man. Right now, I would have to say Bezos, man. Jeff Bezos. I know everyone's got their different point of view on Amazon, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not someone actually that 
Like I'm not someone that specifically is like wanting to build some trillion billion dollar quadrillion dollar business, but I would just love that he went after one industry, succeeded, and then it expanded. And then like, if you look at those first headquarters shots of like the spray painted Amazon signs and how he just kind of did it from, from the grit and from the grind, it's kind of like how I feel like the greatest entrepreneurs do it, you know, and then to see where, he, where they are now. I mean, he's probably going to be the first trillionaire. He's probably going to be the first trillionaire. Uh, and, and let's just be real in like you could tonight, you could put together seven, you can order stuff from seven to 10 different places. And tomorrow it shows up at your door. I mean, come on, dude, how brilliant <laughs> is that for us? Uh, and he's, he's the person that sucks the most money out of my bank account, man. So I like to ask him, please, man, let me get a refund. Let me get a credit, but your boy needs something, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you brought up music too, because uh, yes, that's sir. what some of these questions are. Uh, what's a go-to shower tune? Oh, go-to <laughs> shower tune? Oh, dude, I would have to say, uh, don't worry, be happy, man. That's the one, man. Reggae, I love reggae music, man. So if you guys are ever in a funk, go find a good reggae channel. A lot of times on like Spotify or any of these channels, you'll see that like they're artists you've never even heard of because they're maybe from different places. But the music just it connects to you, man. Reggae music, unlike all the other music is a very connecting and soulful music that's not self-absorbed and things like that. And it just, you don't even know, it just plays. And it's just like, oh man, that's great. Oh! <laughs> yeah! That's, all, that's, that's, the, that's the beat that comes to mind when, any, when anyone says reggae. I, I love that, dude. Absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite word? My favorite word? Do. do. Just do you. Because the more you do for you, the more you can do for others. Favorite 90s jam. Ooh, 90s, <laughs> damn. Was Thriller, the 90s, that was like one of my favorite jams. Was that early 90s or was that late? Somewhere around there, maybe. It's got to be 90s. 80s, 90s. I think so. It's probably 90s, early, early 90s. Thriller, dude. <laughs> that song just always connected to me. Um, obviously, from the videos to everything. And it just was like, was like one of those ones that just everyone wanted to be. Everyone wanted to be Michael Jackson at that time, man. And uh, still to this day, no matter what you look at the guy or, or you know, however you think about him, it's still one of my favorite artists on earth uh, or, and, and obviously in heaven now or hell or wherever you believe. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's just a great guy. You know, the great, great, great dude as far as on the music side. And, uh, and lived a crazy life, man. I mean, imagine being eight years old and being forced to be the star of the show and never really getting a chance to grow up and being on the road. And as you're seeing now with Britney Spears and some of this stuff, it's, it's tough, dude. And so you just give them a lot of credit and uh, Thriller, man. Thriller was just the one for me, man. All right. Another music one. But if you could pick an all-time favorite song, uh, what would your favorite song be? Man, Jay-Z, Big Pimpin'. That song, <laughs> man, when I was a kid. Oh, man. If I could pick one, they'd just be playing just like, and it, it doesn't necessarily represent the, the words of it don't necessarily represent, but it's just the vibe, the feel, the, 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 definitely the video just is insane. But that beat, man, just gets me going every single time I hear it. Love that. Okay. Favorite TV show. Favorite TV show uh, right now or just in general? Uh, let's do it right now. Right now, Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. My favorite show. I love Honest. that too. Have you ever heard of, uh, it's on Hulu, but have you ever heard of the small business revolution? No. Small business revolution. Yeah. You got to check that out, man. But Is it similar to that or? 
Well, so it's in the first two seasons, it's, uh, it has Robert from Shark Tank. Oh, okay. It. Yeah. But small, it's, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Small business revolution. Uh, I, I binged all four seasons of that really quick during, nice. during this lockdown stuff. So, right. <laughs> A lot of different ideas and inspiration and seeing different people, what they're doing, different business stuff. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. Well, and they basically go from, you know, they hold a contest, the whole, the whole United States votes for like a favorite small town that needs help with like their small businesses. And so there's four seasons and it's four different cities where they pretty much just go revamp a whole like main street of businesses. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty I think I've even heard about this actually. And I just haven't actually watched it. I think I do remember hearing about a show that was doing something that that makes sense. It's probably that show where they like, it wasn't just one area. It was kind of like the whole downtown region of a city. And it was kind of a really impactful thing for, dang, that's cool. Yeah. It's pretty So the whole show is the whole, the whole season is then, the different dynamics, the different businesses and et cetera. Oh, wow. And he's one of the guys that does it, Robert. Yeah. He's in the first two seasons. Got you. Um, After that, it's like Ty Pennington or something like that. Ah, so it's like almost like an extreme home makeover or something. (laughs) Yeah. Except it's more business makeovers and they talk about marketing and all that stuff. What a cool thing. Thanks for sharing that. dude. I'm going (laughs) to check that out. I'm going to put that in my notes there. Definitely. Uh, Okay. So you already talked, I mean, we talked on a lot of these music questions and stuff, but uh, just before we kind of wrap things up, what uh, is your favorite social media platform and where can people find you? I love Instagram, you know, uh, too tall and too T-A-L-L-I-N. You can follow me there. Um, Love LinkedIn as well for business. If you want to talk about business, Travis Huff, uh, H-U-F-F as in Frank. That's one of my other favorites. Uh, I'm on all the platforms. If you look up Too Tall and I'm on the platforms, on the Twitter, on the on the uh, Facebook. But those are some of my favorite ones. Um, still trying to figure out TikTok. Might not be here for long. I don't know for US or not, but <laughs> TikTok's an interesting one. I saw. Are you on TikTok? I saw you were on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, you know, I've been trapped on TikTok as a consumer. I haven't not been pro- I haven't been producing as much on there, but man, I get hooked on some of those funny videos. Oh my God. They're, they're the best, dude. They're like, <laughs> seriously, they're the new creators, you know, that uh, these people that can create these 60 second, 15, 60 second pieces of content that keep you engaged every second. Yeah. It's like so produced so well, Parker, because me and you pop up there and it's like just us talking or an us video, but they do it. And it's like, they like have different outfits every single second. And then there's some dude jumping off a building here. There's a kid blowing up this thing. There's someone going, it's just like, they keep it so intrigued. And that's the, the future. I mean, that's the, what the greatest YouTubers and some of these people do. And, um, fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, I know it's probably a complaint for a lot of people, but one thing that I love about it is it is a little bit more unfiltered and it's more like, we the people for lack of better words, because you hear from just anybody, regardless of some algorithm, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's getting a little bit more organic love in their feed. Right. So that's how things work, you know? And then all the other platforms from Facebook and Instagram kind of have changed. As you know, they've evolved over time. And so that's what happens on TikTok. That's probably why you're seeing that is that you have, everyone has a little bit more voice on there. Um, and if your content resonates, it can get a lot more reach than if you were to put it out on any of the other platforms right now, based on their algorithms of monetization. Now I will tell you folks, TikTok ads are coming. So, and they're, they're already kind of here, but they're, they're trying to do what Facebook has done where they're trying to get the self-service ads where any business owner can advertise on TikTok. When that happens, 
bye bye organic reach, bye bye <laughs> gone viral. Uh, it might still rarely happen. So right now is the time to try to go viral. Still, uh, just like any of the platforms, you still can get a lot of love, but once they start to monetize, man, I mean, it just becomes harder and harder to go viral or build a huge following, etc. Once monetization happens, you know, there every other post is three every three posts is now an ad. You know, as you're probably seeing now on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on Upbeats. Uh, dude, before I, I mean, this is how I kind of end things on this, on this segment, but uh, just do a, do a quick beatbox with your name in it. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Travis <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad man, brother. You're a bad man. It should be illegal in all countries. This dude is awesome, man. Hey, you need to get that gig ASAP on those platforms. Like I told you, man, people are, that's, it's incredible what you got, dude. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. Uh, Thank you so much for being on Upbeat, the podcast, but then also this Upbeat Seat segment. So there you have it, my interview with Travis Huff, a.k.a. Too Tallin. Travis, thanks again for being on the show, man. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening. We'd love to connect with you. You can find all the links at parkercane.co and from Travis's Instagram, at Too Tallin. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or got value from it, definitely share it with a friend, leave an upbeat review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated. You guys are the best. I'll see you next week.